Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 55 of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. I am so glad that you're here, and I'm so glad to be able to bring this episode into your life. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing life coach, business coach, and soon-to-be author, Julia Gentry. I say soon-to-be because her book is upcoming. It's coming out in January. We talk a lot about it in this podcast. It's called Dream, I Dare You, and that just broke out into some amazing conversation. Like this, what I loved about this episode, and like many other episodes on this podcast, is that it didn't feel like an interview. It just felt like Julia and I having a really fun conversation about things that we're passionate about, things that really matter, like the importance of chasing our dreams. And that sounds super woo-woo, and Julia will even say that, but the way that she talks about dreams, the way that I talk about dreams, it's so much deeper and bigger than gaining a massive following, making a ton of money. Like You guys will hear more about that. But we also talk about what are the things that keep us from chasing after our dreams, and we also hit on the things that we can do to put ourselves into position to really be in line, be aligned with our hearts, with our dreams so that we can take that action, so that we can pursue the things that we want to pursue in our lives. So it was a super fun conversation. I know you're going to love it and it's coming at you right now. Julia, it is so good to be talking to you again. How are you today? Uh, I'm great. How are you? I'm so good. When we connected for the first time, we just had such a fun conversation. And I, I think that today is going to be all the more of that. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Let's just do all the things. Let's do all the things. And, you know, I think starting out with some gratitude is good because this is Thanksgiving week. Um, this podcast will be coming out the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So hopefully everybody's going to be uh, still sitting in all that gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that your story a lot of the things that you've, you've gone through, accomplished, uh, the, the failures along with all of that, um, you do a great job of maintaining that attitude of gratitude, as they say. So um, <laughs> really excited to dive more into, into you. And um, where I would love to start is you've got this book coming out called Dream I Dare You. There she I, is, baby. I love the artwork on that. I'm a huge fan of lions. That is beautiful. That is so that beautiful. Cool. Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What, what was the driving force to having it be a lion? Oh, my gosh. This We could take the whole podcast just to describe <laughs> that. Um, you know, I think this is, this is really where a dream even comes from, is that when we let go and realize that every single thing in our life is actually driving us to where we were supposed to be, it changes everything. Mm-hmm everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think especially even in these times right now, it's so easy to think that things are happening to me and that, you know, COVID's caught us all off guard and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know. And I don't know. And this thing happened and that thing happened. And we just, we live so circumstantially as opposed to looking back in our life and going, everything was leading me to where I am and where I am is where I want to be. (laughs) Right. Mm, And if I take any of those things out of the equation, I might not be where I am. Right. And so Mine went all the way back to when I was 16 years old. My best friend was killed in a car accident. Her name was Mallory Aslan Smith. 
Um, and it, it changed everything. It was just one of those moments in life. I was 16. It changed everything, right? It changed my outlook on myself, outlook on friendship, my outlook on God. And it wasn't in the right way, right? Like Mm -hmm. it it did not, and it did not go well for me for a couple of years. And so, um, her life and her legacy has always been this epitome of this lion, which is just bold, right? Like Mm -hmm. lions are bold, but they're vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. Lions, they, they are in alignment, but yet they don't cower, right? Like they are gracious, but yet they are, they have their limit, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and so when I really started, and then we had a little girl who we named Aslan, um, oh, which wow. means gold lion. And then I think when I went to go write this book, this was all of me on the pages of a book, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today, but was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my lifetime is to write this book. And so when it came time to actually getting the picture of my insides on the outside, it was like, how can you just not do that? Yeah. Wow. So there's so much in between there. I'm sure we'll get to a lot of it today, but um, that's kind of the manifestation. It was, a, it was from a place of pain that the cover of this book is now being released to hopefully create so much impact. Wow. That's Thank you for sharing all that. It's, it's so good. Um, it, it's so crazy and, and beautiful how we connect different character traits with, with animals. And I, I think that all of the things that you mentioned and the experiences surrounding that lion absolutely makes sense. I, I think that's, that's so cool. It encompasses a lot. Um, you've already shared a little bit about your story and what led you to writing this book, but I guess before we go more into what led you to write in this book, what is this book all about? Yeah. I think the title says a lot, but I'd love to hear you say more. Totally. Well, it's the whole, the whole book is a juxtaposition, right? Like it says dream, I dare you, right? Like talk about, again, there's vulnerability and there's strength, right? It's a yin and the yang. There's pain is purpose, right? Like a juxtaposition is being able to put two things next to each other with extremely contrasting effects. Mm-hmm. right? Which is the whole concept of dreaming where I am and where I want to be. Don't look the same. What I have and what I want don't look the same. What, what's on the inside of me and what's on the world around me doesn't, it doesn't stack up. And I think that's immediately where we get stopped is that we are so externally facing people. We're trained to be so externally focused. Even, even now when we're so hyper connected and overly connected, we're losing true connection right Mm, and so i am now building my life so much based upon everything that i see around me that i'm i'm less and less in touch with the things that are going on within me right Mm. and to build a life of your dreams like i'm really hoping to like change the paradigms even around that because that can sound so woo woo and whimsical and unrealistic and chase your dreams and all the things but that's why even it's dream i i dare you right because Mm. That means I'm going to have to have the strength and vulnerability, right? The pain and the purpose, the ups and the downs, the hard and the good, like all of it to take what's in me and get it in the world around me. And so I've been a growth coach and a business coach and an entrepreneur and all the things for, you know, a decade. And basically what I wanted to do is I wanted to create something that I could put I don't, it's not even a how to, because there isn't just one how to, but all of it in one place that someone could go, okay, from the front cover to the back cover, this is going to teach me how to mentally, emotionally, and literally go from where I am to where I want to be. That's, that's really what this book is about. It's, it's a wake up call to create greater alignment in your faith, in your family, in your career, in your community, because the world needs our dreams more than ever. It needs the things that are on the inside of us to show up in the world around us. Hmm. 
That's, that's so amazing. I love that. I think you really touched on a big piece when you were saying that sometimes it can sound woo-woo to say, go and chase your dreams. Mm-hmm. Often that's been something that I've struggled with. When people talk about chasing your dreams, I'm like, usually people say that in the sense of like getting famous, having a bunch of followers, making a ton of money. At the heart of me, I'm like, I don't really want to be famous. It'd be cool to go into a grocery store and maintain the ability to not be noticed. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think it's, it's really cool that you're taking this from a whole other angle where it's like, yeah. it's not, it's not the dream that the world says is the dream. It's the totally. dream that's, that's within you and within totally. your own heart. Um, totally. I think that's connecting at a totally different level. I really, I think that's very cool. Well, and, and I even say in the book and everything that we do within our community, like I am not an advocate for dreaming big. I will never hashtag that. I don't ride that train. I am not about dreaming big. I'm about dreaming real. Live big, but dream real, right? Like that, and when I dream real, like when I'm really true to what is on the inside of me, it is not about being big. It's about being real. And the realer I am, the bigger my life becomes. Right. And then I give people permission around me to do the same. This is the ripple effect, right? This is actually how we create a better world is that when all of us are in alignment, doing what only we can do, because we just can't not, right? Like when you're really living, like you can't not do it, right? When all of us are doing that, that's when our world comes alive again, right? That's when the light bulbs start going back on again. And we actually start living from abundance and a place of not just scarcity and survival is that I'm actually living enlightened because I don't need the world to give me that which only I can give myself. It's already on the inside of me. I just need to learn how to activate it and to, to get it out of me. Mm, that's so good. Everything you're saying is making me think of that quote, and I'm going to completely butcher it, but I'm pretty Do sure it. it's by Howard Thurman, I believe. And it's that quote where he's like, I don't know if he's like, don't ask what the world needs from you. It's like, go and do the thing that makes you come alive because mm-hmm. the thing that the world needs is for you to be alive or something it needs like alive. that. It needs, you, it's interesting because the, the statistic that also played a role in getting me to write this book was prior to COVID, right? Mm-hmm. 70% of people were actively disengaged in their life and their career. 70% mm-hmm. of people, okay? So we pray for more passion. We pray for more love. We pray for, uh, you know, more purpose. And then I'm going to use this. This is extreme. Mm -hmm. Then COVID happens. It gives us all an opportunity to reset, right? Some of us lost our jobs. We didn't even like our jobs to begin with, Mm -hmm. right? Some of us didn't like our friends or our routines or patterns. We were just going with the flow, doing status quo. And yes, I know this time right now is wicked uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It is out of our boats. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings or next week or next month. And statistically, 70% didn't really like the way that it was going before anyways. And so it's like what the world needs now is alive, people. Mm, It needs us alive. It needs us to be unapologetic and bold about the things that are on the inside of us because the world needs a reset. The world needs alive people. The world needs people who are just like, you do you, I do me, and let's do this together. (laughs) You know, Mm, like, yeah, that's what we need. Absolutely. I think that you touch on a really important thing. It's like there, especially with the times that we're in, like there's absolutely grace that needs to be given to, because it is, it is difficult for sure. Um, It's also an amazing opportunity. So for like those who 
in a really wacky way, right? Like it's awful that people are dying from COVID. It's, it sucks that everybody's stuck inside and restaurants and other businesses are really struggling. Like that all blows really does. Um, it's also an opportunity in an entirely different way. I think that you're so right in the vast majority of people not enjoying their jobs. And now this isn't a chance for them to pursue whatever it is that maybe does make them come alive. And you know, in my experience, I'm still super young, right? So like, I'm still experimenting with a bunch of different stuff. Um, And I think that's kind of what you need to do. I I think for the vast majority of people, we don't necessarily know what that one thing is, or it's usually not just one thing, but what those things are that make us come alive. And it takes experimenting, dabbling in a bunch of different things. And this is an amazing time to be doing that. I think I, I just... I just released a podcast the other day talking about how when you're pursuing something that you're passionate about or you think that you're passionate about, eventually you're going to reach some resistance. You're, you're going to get to this point where it's a little bit harder than you expected or maybe you just wake up and don't feel motivated to do it again. Yep. And that's the moment where you have a decision to make. It's like, are you going to push through that resistance and maybe find out that you don't love it or maybe find out that you do really love it yeah. or are you just going to sit back and stay in that, you know, 70% where we're not actively seeking a, a life change. Totally. Um, that's a big thing for me. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think to your point, right? Like there's, there are these different levels or different chapters to depending on where someone is at in this dream process, right? Like there's the clarifying process. There's a verifying process. There's a manifesting process, right? Like everybody's at a different chapter, right? And so there's all these different tools and ways to approach it. And I, you know, most of the time, like when people say, well, I don't really, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. Like this, what proves we are in the information age, which means that there is almost literally nothing you can't Google to find an answer. And not only do you mm-hmm. find one, you find a thousand pages of mm-hmm. answers, yeah. right? So we're in a world where we Google more, but we know less, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is my simple three words that kill a dreamer, right? Is I don't know. My belief is you always know. We always know. I don't believe that God put, a, put us on this universe to like wander aimlessly. I believe that we're not positioning ourselves to know, right? Mm. So busy. I'm tuning into the social media. I'm tuning into the news. I'm listening to what everybody else is doing. I'm looking at what my neighbor's doing and watching the world around me. And so I condition myself to believe that my answers live out there. My answers don't live out there. They might amplify my answers, right? I'm not suggesting that we aren't in a world now with this information age that we can't model, right? Like if someone has been successful doing it, model them, right? Like do what they're doing, but just do it your way. Mm -hmm. So it's that, am I willing to create the space to go in, right? To hear what I need to hear. And for most of us, either we're never taught it. It's really uncomfortable. We have to face, face the pain or the fear or the mental chatter or all the things. And so we don't. So we just keep going, well, I don't know what I would do. And then we tap out of our life. Well, I don't know what I would do. So I keep doing what I would do. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to just rely on somebody else to give me the answer. And so what we do is we create that self-fulfilling prophecy that says, see, I don't know. See, I can't have what I want. See, I told you. See, now I'm right. Because the Mm. ego likes to be what? Right. Right. Mm. Nobody wants to be wrong. Like, do you remember, have you ever, remember your time in, um, edu- in education, high school, junior high, elementary school that you raised your hand and that one time you got the answer wrong in front of your class? What That's happened? the time you remember for sure. 
you never do it again. <laughs> yeah. You're like, screw that. I'm never answering it. Everyone laugh. You know what I'm saying? So we don't mm-hmm. want to be wrong. We want to be right. Mm. So as long as I don't know, and I can keep pointing back to I'm right. See, I told you I'm right. See, I told you I write. Yeah. Then I am. That's good. That's really good. And it makes me think of something too that I, it sounds like is very aligned with the way that you view this is that I, I think often myself included, when we're thinking about what it is that we want to do, what our dream is, what our passions are, we're thinking about like the doing, like the physical, what does it look like, which I think is really important too. Totally. I also think that what it really can begin with is like the emotions behind it, right? Oh. Like my yeah. favorite, sorry, go ahead. No, please finish. My favorite part about doing this podcast is that it helps people. Like what's like the essence of what it is you want to do, right? Um, so this is a, a way that I'm able to help people and I enjoy doing it. And it, it's fun for me, which yeah. is a bonus. I would also be able to fulfill that ability or that um, I'd just be able to help people in many other ways. Uh, this is the way that I enjoy doing it right now, yep. you know? Yep. Um, but please go ahead, take it away. Well, what I was going to say, I think the hardest part to your point of what you just said in this last podcast that I didn't get a chance to listen to, but is mm-hmm. the next part about leaning in and going, okay, so let's just say, Julia, I'm ready to know that I will, I'll own the fact that I have not been positioning myself to hear. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then when I do hear, guess what? Step two, mm-hmm. I have to take responsibility for whatever I find out. I have to do a couple of quote, I talk about this in the book. I got to do some pushups because once I know that I want to write a book, once I know that I want to build my own business, once I know that I want to quit my job, once that I know I'm in a bad relationship, once I know how to lose weight, guess who's responsible? You are. Me. Mm. Now I know ignorance is no longer bliss. So once I know what I want, it means I have to stop doing right? My familiar health. I have to stop doing what I know, even though I don't want it, even though I don't like it, even though it's not giving me what I want, I know it. I'm familiar with it, right? So that, that really creates some issues day-to-day life, right? Because yeah. I have to stop doing it. And then that also means I have to start doing something new. I have to write. I've, I've always loved writing, but I haven't ever written a book. Totally different than journaling. <laughs> yeah, know, right? I can imagine. Extremely different, right? For any of us, right? Like, and so I think that that ability to learn how to take responsibility and then to weigh that waters of like unconscious, like feeling consciously incompetent mm. is so hard because no, none of us don't like being good at something. None of us mm. like, like every, like they say all the time, every master was once a disaster. I mean, mm. I don't love feeling like a disaster, you know? Yeah. I like the idea of being a master, right? All mm. of us want to be famous, but do I want to have to do what it is to be famous? All of us want a really successful, passionate marriage. Am I willing to do what it takes to have a passionate marriage, right? Like mm. the in-between to your point, it's hard, Tommy. Like mm. weight, like strength training is hard. If you really watch someone who's there to get it at the gym, that is not fun. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It is, you're ready to puke and it is hard, but you are there and you're committed. And so I think it's, it's recognizing, this is why I said dream I dare you, is because you're, we have to start letting go of all of those things and we have to start building strength and that's hard, but that's why you have to pick your heart. You have to pick the right heart. You have to pick the heart based upon where you want to be and not just where you've always been. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 
for those people out there and you know this is i've absolutely been in this position sometimes i still find myself in this position where it's i know what my heart wants or at least i think i know what my heart wants and yet like so there's the understanding which i think is the first step right the understanding like you were saying and then it's the needing to take action but often we don't want to take action because of the discomfort that's going to come along with it what do you say or maybe what did you do to break through that discomfort yeah so one of the big things so there is there is we're a a whole being right and so i've been really in the business world so i was very little literal and analytical and a driver and tactical and a controller so i am a recovering controller right Then when I really felt like God called me to write this book and the title came to me, Dream I Dare You, I was like, hell no, I'm not writing that. That's the most like woo-woo sound, like no way. Because I knew what it was going to require. I knew that I was going to have to drop the analytical buttoned up controller of me to just let it rain. Like I I knew I was going to have to do that. And so we have to realize that there is all different parts of us that make this up. So depending on the day, this is either a mental practice, it's a spiritual practice, or it's a literal practice for me. So I'll just kind of give you some of the things that I do. Mentally, when I get to that place, the the competency ladder has been huge for me because uh, what the competency ladder talks about is that there's phases to awareness and skill, which means I go from being unconsciously incompetent, Mm -hmm. ignorance is bliss, I don't know what I don't know, okay, Mm -hmm. to consciously incompetent, which now basically means I know that I don't know. And that sucks. I know that I'm in a marriage that I don't know how to make better. I know that I'm overweight. I know that I don't like my job. I know it, but I don't know what to do about it. Okay. Mm. That's where most of us quit because that is just the space of like sheer, well, shit. What am I Mm. supposed to do now? And look at all their lives. And then I get onto social media and I look at everybody else and it just we spiral, right? But if you can hang in, if you can hang there, if you can hold space in that zone, then you shift into conscious competency, which basically says, I'm here. I'm not multitasking, right? I'm not doing a lot of different things. I am really focused and attent- and attentive to what I'm doing. I have to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Then I shift into unconscious competency, which basically means I don't have to think about it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like driving home from the grocery store. There's times that we get home and we're like, did I, was I, did I get home? How did I get home? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. I'm just so unconsciously competent. I don't have to think about it. I could be on the phone and texting and playing the radio and talking to my kids in the back and get home safely because I know how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. That literally was a really good visual for me. So when I show up in my life and I'm doing a lot of it right now where I feel consciously incompetent and I feel really stupid and I feel silly and I feel vulnerable and I feel raw and I feel too real for my own good. Mm. I keep telling myself I'm in that bucket, but keep going. I mean, I could go back, but I don't want to go back. I can't go back. So Mm. if I keep at this day after day, after day, after day, I might look silly now, but I won't look silly forever. Mm. right I like I have to walk myself through those buckets okay then when I go to a spiritual place I believe that the dreams that are on the inside of us any level small or big are God-given they they wouldn't like we don't have a sick creator of the universe that's like oh I'm gonna give Tommy he's gonna want to be this but I'm not I don't he really he's not he's gonna suck at it like Mm. I just don't I just don't think that the desires of our heart are are impossible and so when we realize that they're God-given to help humanity to help our community, to just be great parents, to, to, to provide a way for our generations to keep getting better, right? Mm. 
I believe that spiritually now we're accountable. Now, so my dream isn't the most selfish thing I could do. It's the least selfish thing I could do, that I'm accountable to the creator who put me on the planet and was like, Tommy's going to be amazing. This Julie's going to be great. This and this person. And like all together, we sound amazing. Right. Mm. So spiritually, this isn't just about me. This is about this higher level, like accountability and responsibility that says, I can't not do this. Mm. I just can't. Yeah. And then tactfully, like if I could then take it one now. So then the next like tactical is here's how dreamers have to live their lives. I know the next step or two. And as Brene Brown says, I know it color me done. Like I can have a little bit of a visual of what this looks like when it's done. I have no freaking clue what the in-between looks like. Mm. I don't know because I've never created it. It's never been done. Right. Even though maybe I could model a certain industry or look at someone else who's been successful in this. It, it, they've never put a Julia Gentry spin on it. Right. And so I have to be bold enough and courageous enough and real enough and aligned enough. That means that the space in between will not find inspiring. And to know that I'm sometimes I'm only going to get the next step and the next step. And then when I get 10, great, run it out, baby, like sprint and go for it. But day by day, I just look at where I'm at, where I want to be the next step. Where am I? Where do I want to be? The next thing, the next thing, the next thing until you wake up and you build a cathedral, right? That, mm -hmm. the, so that's, that's where I walk myself through is the mental, spiritual, and literal components that make me who I am that get me from going silly, stupid, can't don't know what I'm doing to okay God you you call me to do this I can't not do it to okay what's just the next step just the next step mm. that has helped me a ton I think that's incredibly helpful it definitely is helpful to me I'm sure it'll be helpful to all the people listening too and you said something in the middle there about the when you were talking about from a spiritual perspective mm -hmm. about how it's the least selfish thing that you can do is to really listen to your heart and pursue that whatever it's totally. telling you would you go as far as to say and i don't want to put you on the spot but would you say it's selfish to not do that yes mm. it's it the the most selfish thing you could do is to not chase your dreams mm. That by far, right? Because you know, I hear this all the time in being a mom of four, which you're going to hear my kiddos in the background, right? <laughs> um, is that as parents, especially, and I think us moms, because we, you know, we have all these ideas around what we need to be and who we should be and how it's supposed to look, as opposed to what do, what do I just want my family to look like, right? But what I, I, time and time again, I talk to moms, parents who say, well, I need to put my dreams on the shelf for my family. Right. Mm -hmm. I need to put my dreams on hold for this. I need to put my bit on hold. And, and my biggest hearts cry. Like if I could say, like, who does that serve? It, it serves nobody for me as a mom to put my dreams on the shelf, to tell my kids, keep chasing your dreams. If I'm not chasing mine, right? Like mm -hmm. that is actually telling them it's not showing them. Now, I also believe in seasons of our life, just like chapters of a book, right? Or just like scenes in a movie. That doesn't mean we get everything at one time, but that doesn't mean that behind those scenes as a mom, I can't be solely writing my book, or that doesn't mean um, I can't include my kids in my mission, right? Like sometimes we think that our kids are just getting in the way of our mission. No, your kids are a part of your mission. They, we, that, that, we all do this together, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, it's the most selfish thing that you could do to not chase your dreams because to our original point, the world doesn't need more depressed, depleted, unmotivated, I'll do it when people. It just doesn't. It needs people who are going, I don't know when, 
I don't know how, but I'm here and I'm showing up to my life. And that 90% means I win. 90% of people don't even show up, right? That's the hardest part is just showing up and doing it. So it's like, that's what our world actually needs is people that are like, we're going to figure this out and we're going to unapologetically and boldly chase it. That's what, it, that's what our world needs. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And you bring up a really interesting point too, with, you know, there's, there obviously is a lot of people who are depressed, who are having a difficult time. The 70% of people who of course aren't depressed necessarily, but the 70% who aren't actively pursuing the life that they want. Yes. What do you think it is that, is it just the comfort that they're afraid of going beyond? Is that why there's such a vast majority of people who aren't actively pursuing this life? Such a good question. And, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wade the waters carefully and cautiously, right? Because mm. I think there's a lot of other things that could be at play here, but I'm going to speak to where I was at, right? And mm. uh, I think what happens is that we prefer a familiar hell to an unfamiliar heaven, mm. right? Because we create these identities in our head. And I was just on a podcast with my husband today that we say, you know, we say, well, I'm just a creature of habit. No, you're not a creature of habit. You're a creature who's born to create, who found a habit that you continue to do over and over and over again, but you're not a creature of habit. You're a creator in this life. Everything mm -hmm. you create your day, you create your habits, you create habits. You're not a creature of habit, right? Did mm, you see that, like that. quick play on words mm. trajectory, huge difference in where I end up. Right. Yeah. So in my life, what happens? And one of my favorite analogies of this is let's say um, that a hammer has a soul. Okay. And we put that hammer on the shelf. Okay. And enough time, if we don't use that hammer, it's going to be depressed and it's going to be sad. And it's going to sit there going, I know that I'm supposed to be doing something, right? I don't, I don't I want to do something with my life. Then one day someone comes and picks up the hammer, right? And then they just start going to town and they hit hubcaps and they hit walls and they hit trees <laughs> and they just start going to town. At first that hammer is going to be like, yes, like this is amazing to your point, right? Like I love hitting hammer, like a, a hubcap and I love hitting a tree. And I think it's amazing just to be swung around aimlessly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Until all of a sudden it goes, is there something more like, it's just not doing it for me. Like, I feel like I'm a lot of motion, but I'm not getting anywhere. I feel like I'm tired and I'm depleted and I'm depressed and I'm anxious and like, I'm making a lot of noise, but I'm not getting it. You know what I'm saying? Is there something more? Then that person picks up the hammer and the hammer hits the nail. Like gives me goosebumps right now. Mm. The moment that hammer hits the nail, a light bulb comes on in that little hammer soul and it goes, this is what I was born to do. Mm. In any and every area of our life, that is the best analogy I can give to the reason that subtle depression starts. It gets amplified over time, right? And there's, I believe me, there's a lot of neurons and brain and environment and food and all the things that happen, trauma, on and on. The subtleties of depression, then what happens, we'll go to coping mechanisms if we're not careful, alcohol, other addictions, drugs, work, anything to cover up the lack of right? And so what we're looking for is to be that hammer that at first, go whack, go go to town, go figure, like, go try this, go see this, go ask people, go, go look at industries that you're interested in, go talk to people who have the fruit in their life, who have a healthy marriage or making money or make, you know, helping people or whatever that might look like, go do that. And then 
after you whack in enough and you keep going, is there something more? Start looking for your nail, mm. right? If you do that and you're being utilized, you won't be depressed anymore. Mm. So yes. Could that mean you have to change your food and your environment and some trauma that you need to heal and, and, and yes. So I'm not trying to say that this is like a across the board, right? Mm -hmm. But when I feel like if you can catch it and realize that a lot of the reason that we're de depressed and unmotivated and depleted and all these things is because we're just not doing that. We're not hitting our nail. Mm. Now also hitting the nail. Let me just say this. It's not dreaming is not sitting on the beach somewhere drinking my tights. That's not what dreaming mm. is about. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just about life being perfect and easy. A party every day is not a party. It's just not. Yeah. Right? Like we were born for grit. We were born for strength. We were born to do hard things as long as the hard things are the right things for us to be doing. And so when you start to put all of those pieces together of like, it's not just about what you get. It's about who you become in the journey. Game changer. Mm -hmm. Now it's a game changer because every hard moment you're like, okay, this is the heart I pick. This is my nail. And oh my gosh, I'm learning so much about trust and I'm learning so much about faith and I'm learning so much about humanity and I'm learning so much about this industry. So when I do get there, guess who will stay there? Me. Because a million dollars isn't going to just keep me a million dollars. It's one thing to make a million dollars. It's another to keep a million dollars. It's one thing to fall in love. It's another thing to stay in love. It's one thing to write a book. It's another thing to market it and to sell it and for it to blow up and be, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. that's why they say most people who make a ton of money or hit it big really fast can't sustain it because the insides didn't change. It was just their outsides. Mm. Man, right? there was so much good in there. So much good. Should I, I breathe? I should stop and breathe. I could, we could do this all day. Oh, uh, seriously. Yeah, you can absolutely <laughs> stop and breathe. I, when you said you were getting goosebumps, I, I got goosebumps too. I love the imagery of the hammer hitting the nail. And uh, I forget the exact words that you said, but it was essentially, we're built to do hard things. We just need to figure out what the right hard things are for us. I think that that is so real because to your point, to everything that you've been saying, if, you find that right hard thing. If you find your nail, you're going to hit that resistance that I, I mentioned earlier and that you've talked about too, but you are going to go through it. You are going to get past that resistance. You're going to, you're going to build up the, the habits, the techniques, whatever it is in order to sell that book, market that book, make that book blow up, whatever it is. I, I think that you absolutely nailed it. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and it's just got me thinking, what do you, what do you think got us to this point? Where, where did we, you know, cause for so long, like when we were just nomadic or whatever, we were, you know, living off the land. I think finding purpose might've almost been easier back then. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. yo, it's survival. Otherwise yeah. it's nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> My purpose is to not die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now we're like, okay, we've kind of got that handled, but <laughs> now, totally. I mean, hopefully. And, and now it's like, okay, there's sort something, of. there's gotta be something else. Mm -hmm is that where this started? Is that where the 70% um, started becoming a thing? Is there something else at play? I'm sure there's yeah. a bunch at play, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So my thought is, I mean, if you look at all the generations and this is going to be a real um, generalization. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you look at to the point of when everyone, my, my, our grandparents, right their yeah. their sole purpose was survive the great depression and put food on the table right? Yeah. You do what you had to do. You did what you had to do and no complaints. There was no emotion. There was none of it. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Then you have our parents and our parents all of a sudden went, well, I don't want to just get by. So they started dual incomes, right? So a lot of our parents, actually, that's when we introduced mom and dad both working simply because they probably looked back and went, well, I don't, I don't want to keep doing that. Right. Mm. Then you have our generation, right? Which we're kind of right in that millennial generation, which we had two working parents that we could easily look at that and go, yeah, well, we had the house and the cars and all the things, but my parents weren't around, right? Right? Like, great that you have money, but I want meaning, right? I want mm. impact. I want significance, okay? Mm. So then our generation starts to go, I want to feel good. I want to love what I do. I don't care mm. about the money. I don't, right? And so, and on top of that, behind the scenes, technology is getting faster. Uh, the way that we can connect with the world is speeding up, right? The way that we do business is like, I mean, what's happened in the last hundred years is like crazy, mm. right? on top of all that. So now you have like this next generation that's just all about right on and on and on. So I think that the, where we get, there is pros and cons to all of it, right? Like there's certain mentalities in all of it that we can learn from and some that we should absolutely not be duplicating. Right. But I think what's happening in my mind, and again, I'm a rather deep thinker. So I look at everything as a lesson to learn or something that God is showing us for everything everything okay even sometimes my friends are like can we just talk about the weather and i'm like why i don't need mm -hmm. to be talking about the weather i i know what it is i don't need to talk about it mm -hmm. i think that right now what we're seeing is the biggest reset ever i think that we're seeing an opportunity to where we're starting to peel back layers of just um habits and patterns that aren't serving us anymore i think that we're starting to look at as people what's working and what's not like i just feel like the dead fat in our life is starting to have to fall off for us to finally start asking bigger questions like what matters most mm. right like from a fast food generation that i can have it whenever i want it it's creating this like i can have it whenever i want it as opposed to working for it and becoming better in the process and figuring out that we can really do hard things i feel like this is giving us an opportunity to realize some of the core principles that have always been there um, but we've just lost sight of them because our world has gotten so fast and the ability to not just see to your point, what the other pioneers are doing a hundred miles away that we saw three years ago on our travels. I can, as soon as I can get off this call with you, I can basically log on and see what people are doing all across the world right now. And then again, and then again, and then again. And, and I just think that it's, we're losing the ability to create from here because we're so logged on to our mm. world out there. Mm. There's again, a lot going on in what you just said. And I, I love all of it. It's so good. Um, you have me thinking of a few things. The, the first thing is that um, to your, to what you just said, we're, we're so connected in terms of technology, the speeds of, you know, like we are globally connected. It's, yep. this has never been seen before. And at the same time, the rates of anxiety are, are increasing. Like, I don't know what the statistics are right now, but it's, yeah, it's massive. And one thought that I've had, and I know plenty of other people have talked about this too, is that we have so many more distractions now than we mm -hmm. ever have had. Yep. I thoroughly believe that that is playing a role in this increase in anxiety because with totally. so many distractions, we have endless options to avoid that feeling of anxiety, which ends up leading us to avoid being able to learn how to deal with that anxiety properly. Totally. And, and you were also talking about 
how we're not taking the time to go within and then create from within. And I think even though it's not a comfortable emotion, anxiety, sadness, pain, trauma at times too. Honestly, trauma a lot of the time. Those are the things where a lot of the creativity is born out of. For sure. And the more that we're avoiding those difficult feelings because there's so many reasons and opportunities to avoid it, the more we're not able to tap into those things. I think that's that's a real shame. It's not good. And as a kid, I had major anxiety. I mean, I used to have, I'd get up in the middle of the night with just, I was awake, but I wasn't awake. And I, I mean, I remember it and I've had to, as I got older, really lean into it and not just pop another pill or chalk it up as, or right. Like, and when I learned that all emotions are created equal, it mm. started to be a game changer. That was the first step, right? Is that all emotions are created equal. Cause I think in our minds, we start to go, well, joy is better than anger and anger mm. is worse than peace and peace is better than that. Right. But if they're all created equal, because here's what emotions are, they're just information and they're information knocking at at my soul going, can I come in, right? Because they're all built from a thought, like cognitive behavioral therapy talks about this. Every thought creates an emotion, every emotion creates an action, right? Mm, And so if you want to change your, ultimately your results, I need to go back to my thoughts. I don't need to change circumstances. I don't need to change you. I don't need to, I need to go back to my original thought that created the emotion that got me taking action or not right? To move this whole thing around. And so anxiety, I think that why anxiety is being built right now for many reasons, right? But is we're putting our trust. Again, I'm a very spiritually minded person. We're putting our trust in things. I'm putting my trust in my schedule. I'm putting trust in money. I'm putting my trust in what I can control. I'm putting my trust in external forces and I'm building my life of strength on all these external things. And so when they come shattering down, I'm now anxious, but here's what I did do. I wasn't building trust in myself and I wasn't building trust with God, my source, Mm -hmm. our source, right? To look back and go, okay, I could probably own that. Any hard thing we've overcome. Like we don't give ourselves enough to look back and go, I did that hard thing and we did this hard thing and I got through that hard thing and that God was kind of leading us and directing us and like the universe and all these people. And like, actually, I believe that God is for me and that this is happening with me. I'm okay. Anxiety starts to go away when I'm not hanging my hat and my life on all the things around me. Now, that doesn't mean that some days I'm still not going to feel anxious because our world is psycho right now, guys. Like, this isn't just mm-hmm. the United States, like in 2008, that was experiencing a recession, right? Like, this is globally. But what that means is that I have to start to master my mind, to get in the seat of my heart, to build trust within myself that we can do this. I can do this as a family. We can do it. build trust in God. He's always done it knew the beginning from the end. He knew me before I came. He knew COVID was going to happen before I was even here. History repeats itself. So whether it was the depression or any other famines or, 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 okay, I can't put trust in my schedule or the banking industry or healthcare or, or, or maybe I should start to put my trust somewhere else. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And that's hard because then you have to go, Oh, I have not been building my life internally aligned. I've been building it externally facing. And then that's a whole other can of worms, right? Which is why we're like, I'm just going to go drink some more and I'm just going to work some more and I'm just going to pretend like I don't need a conversation. We'll do this later and we'll do this tomorrow and I will win. And and then guess what we're doing? Prolonging the inevitable. That's what it is. I'm prolonging the inevitable. 
Mm. I'm prolonging the pain because I'm not feeling it. I'm not hearing it. I'm not changing it. I'm just pushing it out. But guess what? It just keeps going. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm. Absolutely. So they say time heals everything. Time doesn't heal everything. Healing heals everything. Mm. Healing heals. (laughs) Yeah. Time. That's so, you know what I'm yeah, saying? time is just going to make you more distant from it. But that trauma, yes. that, that pain is still going to be there. Absolutely. Yep. Totally. I, I love something that you said too, where we're looking for, uh, I think you were saying how we're looking for motivation and security, of course, from outside sources and then not from ourselves. I, I loved when you pointed out that we can look back and look at all the different things that we've accomplished. I, I have a, or overcome. I have a really good buddy. Yeah who talks about how important it is to be your own motivation. Look at what you've gone through. Look at those difficult circumstances. One of the most powerful things that I learned from my psychiatrist was when you're dealing with anxiety or or any of these difficult feelings is to go back and and think about that younger version of you, Mm -hmm. whoever it is. I think everybody has their own younger version that they immediately go to. For me, it's four-year-old Tommy for whatever reason. Yeah. And just tell that kid, like, do you know what you're going to accomplish? Like, do you have any clue what you're going to push through? And you just imagine holding them and just loving them and therefore holding and loving yourself. Um, Totally. There's so much power in that. And you're so right. When my mind's focused on that, anxiety is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Nowhere. And then, right, like, then the next phase, right, that next layer, just to speak to, because I think this is where I go, like, I, I can do a decent job of looking back going, like, look, I overcame that, and I overcame that, and I overcame that. And then immediately, it's like, yeah, but look where I'm at. I'm not where I want to be. And I'm not as far as I could be. Mm. And great. So I overcame those things, but I'm nowhere near where I want to be, right? Then that next layer kind of comes and attacks us right away. Mm. And the way that I look at that next layer is going, okay, fair, right? Because the brain doesn't want to be right. It just wants to be heard. Right. When mm. you start also start to know this, like our thoughts and emotions, they don't actually want to be right. They just want to be heard. It's just like a kid. They don't mm. always want to be right. They just want someone to go, I hear you. And I'm really mad that I can't have a piece of gum too. Like I hear you, you know? <laughs> yeah. So if I sit with that myself in that moment and I go, you're right. 20 years ago would have been the best damn time to plant that tree. It would have been the best time to invest in real estate. It would have been the best time to lose the weight. Like no doubt about it. The next best time is today. So I've got mm. two choices here, JG. I'll look at myself. You got two choices. You can be here again in 10 years and that's really going to suck because you'll be here again and then you'll go, oh, I should have, oh, I should have, right? Or you start planting that seed today because whatever seed I'm going to sow today, I will reap in 10 years. It doesn't even matter if I plant nothing, but I'm going to harvest freaking nothing, bro. So plant, what do I want to plant today, right? So if you can look back and go, oh, the times I did overcome that. And it wasn't perfect, but I did. And now I'm here. Oh, but here's not where I want to be. And I'm not where I wanted to be. And I'm already old or too young or too da 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 da. And you go, great. Okay. 20 years ago, best time. Next best time is today. So what, what am I going to sow today? What seed am I Because I have to harvest that tomorrow. Mm. Right? And then the next day I go plant a seed. What seed do I want to plant? Because I'm going to water the, the, the hell out of that thing. And then a couple of years, like, what do I want to harvest? And if, if you can just keep doing that, then it gets you kind of out of that next phase of like all the guilt and all the things and shame and right, all of that. And it positions you to be much more over tuned where you're going as opposed to all the places that you've been or where you are. Mm, 
Absolutely. As you're saying all that too, it made me think of something else that I've been thinking of uh, lately. And that's that, that point in which you are, you know, you're transitioning from looking back and being happy for what you've overcome, but then, oh shoot, I'm not where I want to be. One thing that I've kind of, I've really been thinking about is how here, one thing for me that is a struggle is student loans, right? I know probably everybody who listens to this podcast, essentially, it can feel yeah. that too. Yep. Um, so that's something that's super stressful. I always think to myself like, man, once those student loans are paid off and gone, like my finance is going to be so much better. Life is going to be so much less stressful. But at the same time, that's really not how we're wired. Like that's going to go away, but then there's going to be another thing. There's yeah. going to be something else that, yeah, exactly. So it's how can we find the peace in our situation now. And I think to your point, a lot of times it's action. It's planting those seeds. What is it now that I can do to set myself up to pay off those loans as quickly as I can while living whatever life I want to live. Right. Um, And then when that next thing comes, it's really, it's gotta be the same approach to your point. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so huge, Tommy. And here's why, because if we keep practicing that, we're building our lives based upon when I get there, then I will, right? When I get there, then I will. When I get to the job, then I'll be happy. When I retire, then I'll chase my dreams. When I, then I, right? Mm. And then we start practicing that. And so then we get to that next thing and we're still kind of like, "Mm," or we're happy for a while or whatever. And here's what I think the basis of this right now, and I think is a mindset that people need more than ever right now, right? If you look at Maslow's hierarchy, he talks about the kind of this pyramid of like self-enlightenment, right? Like how do we get the most out of life? And so the bottom barrel of that is safety, security, stability, right? Then it's success and then it's enlightenment, okay? Which is self-actualization, okay? What happens is we start getting so focused on safety, security, stability, which if we're not careful right now, that's where it's safetyism. It's a huge article I read the other day that like blew my mind because I was like, that's totally where we are if we're not careful. Mm. I start to focus so much on paying back student loans. I start to focus so much on just surviving. And then I do that a year, two, five, 10, 30 years of just get a house, a job, get your, make sure I have enough money, pay off my student loans, do all the things. Then I finally look up and I'm 50 and I'm like, mm. what did I just do? Mm. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't mm. what I wanted. Well, what did you want? I don't know. Okay, I'll just keep doing what I've always done, right? The concept of this is, yes, I get it that we have to have enough food to put on the table and money to pay our bills. And I'm not suggesting that you don't not focus on safety, security, stability, but if that's where I put my attention, it's going to get my life, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever I put my attention is going to have my life. If I can look up, if I can look up on what I want most and I go, oh my gosh, that's the marriage. That's the life. That's a a dream right now. That's as far as I can see, but that like, that is what I want more than anything in theory, when that person comes back down and looks at their life for what it is with this much student loan or this much weight to lose or this much, you're like, hell yeah, bring it on, baby. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's this thing because you're like, because I'm going there. So I will do, I'll actually come up with creative ways. I'll actually go, well, if I learn about money, my student loan is actually only X percentage. But if I make money or invest money, then I can have this paid for that. And then I don't really care. All of a sudden, this innovation and the creativity and all the things that we're supposed to be in this life, but it's because I'm looking higher and bringing what I want into my day today, not when I get there, then I will, right? Mm -hmm. As an author, as a published author who's impacting millions of people, how would I write this book? 
That's where I started when I had zero words on a piece of paper. I had mm. 1700 journals, but I had never written a book to impact the masses. Even now, I think I've had 11 people read it so far, right? Because it's mm. not out yet. So mm. it could be easy for me to go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I have to look up and go, no, I know that I was born to write a book that would impact lives for decades to come. What would that girl do as she wrote this chapter? What would that girl do as she hired a project management team? What would that girl do? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm not waiting until I become her. I'm learning to become her now. That's where true joy comes from. Mm. That's what peace comes from. That's where anxiety, yes, sometimes I'm still gonna get nervous, but I'm like, if I learn to be that today and train myself, if I wanna lose 50 pounds, okay, so the 50 pound person, the one that's alive and full of energy and like, Food is just like a, a part that makes my life better. How would I eat? Well, I probably wouldn't eat the donut because it doesn't make me feel good. And I'd mm. probably get in the gym and move my body. And I'd probably, I'm bringing my future into my today. That's mm. when things start to change. Because I'm adopting a mindset, even if I'm pretending, because I'm like, well, I don't know what you think, but she probably think this. Great. Do mm. that. Mm. Do that. And then those obstacles or those walls or that student loans or those barriers now don't feel as big because they're not the focal point i'm looking up there so this now looks smaller mm. my student loan actually doesn't look insurmountable this depression and anxiety doesn't look like something that's going to beat me i'm going to beat it because you see that that is bigger than this my god is bigger than that what's in me is what's around me mm. I mean, I know that like this, when you start to get this in your life, it's, it doesn't mean that life just all of a sudden, boop, 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 right? At all. It just means that now we're not turning moles, hills into mountains. It means mountains the perspective of where they belong. Mm, absolutely. Oh man, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm just like, man, my older sister and you are like on the exact same wavelength. Like she's sister, always talking. bring it in. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's always <laughs> talking about mindset. She's talking about manifestation. And I've talked to her about manifestation, what that means. What, how do you manifest things? Right. And yeah. she told me exactly what you said. It, it, you have to imagine and really live into the emotions, yeah. the feelings of that place that you want to be yep. right now. It, yeah. You need to accept it as already being done. Yes. And you know why? You know why this is so powerful of a tool? This is why yes. vision boards, people who do vision boards and they're like, oh, it doesn't really work or they don't do it. Well, they don't work in and of themselves, right? It's not mm. about making you feel good. It's helping you to be good. But to your point of how do I go from out of my comfortability and into the world of uncomfortability, right? Nobody, I love change. My family, we move every four weeks to a new city, a new state, a new home, right? And I've got mm. four kids under the age of seven, right? So we're psycho when it comes <laughs> to and still, there's a lot of times that I can feel all that like safety, security, stability rise up in me. And so what we have to remember is that the reason that that art of visualization is so important is not so I just feel good when I'm looking at, oh, a nice house or being successful or all things. Mm. It's to normalize an unfamiliar world. Mm. I need to know what it's going to feel like to be in a passionate, connected marriage because I've never been in one. And so if I start to do it, instead of sabotaging it, I'll actually embrace it. Right? Mm. I need to know, I have to, I have to have envisioned it so many times that when it starts to happen in front of me, that I actually say yes and I surrender to it as opposed to sabotage it and back off because it's unfamiliar. Mm. 
most of the time we sabotage great things in our life just because we don't know what that's going to feel like. I'm familiar with being an alcoholic. I'm familiar with being overweight. I'm familiar with being broke. I've been all my life. I don't know what it feels like to be happy, joyful. I don't know what it feels like to be in a marriage that like we choose each other. I don't know what it feels like to be successful. I don't know what it, do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when I'm visualizing it and I'm taking time to really go, is this my dream? Not just feel good or look good in the world around me, but the thing I really want. And if I can close my eyes and visualize it, when I start to see it happening and I start pieces coming together and I, the job, my, I lost my job and I go, Oh man, this is happening. As opposed to mm. oh, what do I do? Right. Mm. Or my boyfriend dumps me and I'm like, Oh, he doesn't love me. As opposed to I'm one step closer to finding, you see what I'm saying? Like mm. we're training our go. It's happening. Mm. It's happening. And then we surrender and we accept it. And then we start moving towards it. And that's what it's cool is that God's meeting us halfway. We're meeting him. The moment's meeting us halfway, we're meeting it. Like it's both. It's both. Mm. Your sister's right. You can tell Tommy, you go tell your sister that she's right. I will. I will. She's pretty brilliant. She's good. (laughs) I love it. I love everything that you've said today, Julia. And I've had a great time talking to you. I've been doing this thing where I've been ending each episode with three questions for my guests. And yeah, I'm ready to come at you if you're ready for it. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Okay. All right, let's do it. Number one is for the listeners. What would you like them to walk away from this discussion with? One anecdote, one thing that you maybe explicitly said today or maybe you implicitly said it today. Mm-hmm. I think it's just to realize that everything that you have been waiting for is on the inside of you. Just say yes. Just, just say, say yes. yes. Just say yes and just start, right? It's already on the inside of you. So say yes, just start and, and watch where it takes you. So good. I love that. Number two, in your own words, how would you define vulnerability? Oh, oh that. <laughs> that could be the answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is why I loved you. This is why the minute you asked me to be on the show, there was a part of me that went, oh no. Mm -mm." And every part of me went, yes. But the definition of vulnerability is this part of you goes, no, no. And this part of you goes, yes. Mm. Yes. I was born for it. I was born to be who I was born to be. I was Mm. that, that it's the most inarticulate thing. (laughs) Like right now, even I'm like, it's, it's no and yes, it's, Mm. it's yin and yang. It's, it's, it's what we are on the planet to do. Mm. I love that. That's so good, man. (laughs) It's no and yes. (laughs) It's no and yes. I think that's a beautiful answer. I'm like sweating just talking about it right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I really, really enjoy that. And Julia, the last question for you is what is your favorite food? <laughs> oh my goodness. My favorite food. Mm. This might be I the mean, hardest I, of the three. It is the hardest. I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. I just dig me a good like kale salad. There you go. Good for you. Nice. I love it. I love a good <laughs> kale salad. My life is busy. We don't stop moving from 5 a.m. till 11 o'clock with four kids and we're traveling and all the things. And so I have learned 
that what I put in my body is what's going to come out of my body, right? Like the amount mm. of energy. And so my kale salad, whether it's in a smoothie, like literally in a smoothie and I just, or I eat it raw, one of the two, but that really is my favorite food. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so good. Well, what's George, yours? If I were to ask oh, you that question, can I, what's your favorite food? Oh man, that is kind of, it's kind of an unfair question because there's lots of them, but I'll tell you one thing. It's not a kale salad. It's probably, okay. like, it's, it's, it's probably like a steak and cheese sub or something like that. <laughs> Uh, which after eating i'm probably not super productive so (laughs) (laughs) oh well oh well i love that that's a great answer and julia again i've had so much fun talking to you before i let you go can you can you share where people first of all when is the book coming out what's the release date how can they find that and find out all the cool stuff. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate just your ability to wrap your arms around this book and what we're doing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, The book will be live at January. Um, We're launching book clubs where you can either start or join one. Um, You can learn more and just get on that list to subscribe right now at the dreamfactoryandco.com. Or you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at the Julia Gentry. Perfect. Julia, this again has been so, so much fun. Uh, It's been a blessing to me and it's going to be a blessing to all the people listening. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tommy. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it with Julia. Like I said before, it, it was so much more than an interview. It was so much more like a conversation between two friends talking about some stuff that we really, really care about. It was so much fun. If you enjoyed it, definitely support her. Pick up a copy of her book, Dream I Dare You, when it comes out in January. All the links to her social medias and her website will be in the show notes. And as a quick disclaimer, Julia at one point was talking about the different things that she could be doing while driving and still get home safe because she's made that same trip home from, I think she said, the grocery store so many times that sometimes she'll get home and be like, did I really just drive? And one of the things that she uses as an example was, you know, she said, um, taking care of the kids, drinking coffee, texting, and I'd still get home safe. And I went back to confirm with her that she, you know, does not condone um, or recommend texting while driving. When you're getting interviewed, sometimes you're literally just picking things right up off the top of your head. So it was a slip of the tongue. Um, and I wanted to say, I, you know, let's not text and drive. It's definitely, it's been proven to be dangerous. So the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast doesn't support texting while driving, nor does Julia. So wanted to put that out there. Um, but seriously, I, I hope that you all really love this episode. It was a blast. If you're looking for a way to support this podcast, one of the best ways to do that is to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and just share this thing on social media. Share it with friends, family. Just put it out there so that more people can get their hands on this thing, so that more people can learn of the power of their own story the power of being vulnerable, of talking about these difficult things. And in particular to this episode, they can learn what it means and what it looks like to really chase your dreams and how chasing your dreams isn't just shooting for millions of dollars, millions of followers. It's shooting for and going after what it is that your heart truly wants. So again, I hope that you all enjoyed the episode. I appreciate your support so much. I love putting this content out there for you and we're going to continue getting better week 
after week because of all of you. I hope you all had an amazing Thanksgiving and enjoy a weekend of hopefully family, if you can, football, fun, and relaxation. You all take care, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday.